Hello and welcome to 21st Precinct from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Twenty-first Precinct, Sergeant Waters. A shooting where? Yeah. Who was it that shot? Oh, you don't, huh? Where's the man with the gun? Where? You are in the muster room at the 21st Precinct, the nerve center. A call is coming through. You will follow the action taken pursuant to that call from this minute until the final report is written in the 124 room at the 21st Precinct. All right. I'll send the officers right over there. Don't worry about that. I'll send the ambulance, too. You just wait outside and show them where it is, okay? Yeah. You're welcome. 21st Precinct is just lines on a map of the city of New York. Most of the 173,000 people wedged into the nine-tenths of a square mile between Fifth Avenue and East River wouldn't know if you asked them that they lived or worked in the 21st. Whether they know it or not, the security of their homes, their prisons, and their property is the job of the men of the 21st Precinct. The 21st, 160 patrolmen, 11 sergeants, and four lieutenants of whom I'm the boss. My name is Kennelly. Frank Kennelly. I'm captain in command of the 21st. I was working my night tour. At 12.15 a.m. on post number 9, which covers three square blocks between 1st and York Avenues, patrolman James Joseph Cronin rang into the station house as soon as he reached his post. Then, as is required, he began on 1st Avenue the job of trying the front door of every business establishment. Patrolman Cronin, post number nine. 
Uh, there's a man shot. It looks like a homicide in the uh, bar and grill, 
Yes, sir, Lieutenant. Help roll him over so he can look in his back pocket. Yes, sir. Okay, I got it. Call the Handkerchief. Comb. And here's a wallet, Lieutenant. All right, open it up. Any money? Uh, $12 in bills. Two fives and two ones. Any cards in there? Um, yes, sir. Here's a union card. Oh, a social security card. That's the name. Frank McLeese. M-A-C-L-I-S-E. Hmm. Here's a selected service registration card. Under the name of Frank McLeese. How old is he? Uh, card dated, uh, 1946. We tell him he's 18 years old in 1946. What's the address on the card? Uh, 3722 Lexington Avenue. That address probably isn't good anymore, though, in 1946. Yeah. Well, here's an operator's license, Lieutenant. Motor vehicle? Yes, sir. What's the address on that? Uh, 821 East 80th Street, or did until recently. There was a motor vehicle operator's license for that address in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Did you talk to the girl yet, man? Oh, I'm going to right now. Well, that shouldn't be too hard for you. No, I don't think so. Well, who told you to pick up a strange man in a bar? How did I know he was going to get shot? What's the trouble, all right? Mm-hmm. Well, she's worried. She has to get to work at 8 o'clock in the morning. Well, I do, and you know what time it is now? It's almost 2 o'clock, and I won't get any sleep at all. Well, I don't think any of us will. Captain, this is Miss Anna Voorhees, Captain Tonelli, commanding officer of the 21st Precinct. How do you do? Hello. Are you positive you're not acquainted with Max's full name? I told you. I only met him tonight, or last night, that is. The name's Frank the Police. Does that mean anything to you? Why should it mean anything to me? That was his full name. Oh, was it? It appears to be. Well, it probably could be if they call him Max. Look, Captain, could you tell him to let me go home? They don't seem to realize how long I've been here, and I've got to get to work at 8 o'clock in the morning. Well, this case is in the hands of the detectives, Miss. Well, you're a captain, aren't you? You could do something about it. Well, I'm afraid I can. Take her into the station house, will you, Novak? Yes, sir. Station house. What do I have to go in there for? Let's talk to the bartender. Hello, Jerry. Oh, hi, Lieutenant. Captain, how are you? Oh, I'm all right, Jerry. Why does something like this always have to happen to me? Well, it didn't quite happen to you. I mean, I mean, in my place. Boy, I never should have unlocked the door today. Today was a big nothing from beginning to end. Didn't seem to open up. The man's name was Frank McLeese, Jerry. Does that mean anything to you? Frank McLeese? Yeah, that's right. No, no, I can't say it does. I told you he didn't come in here very much, maybe two or three times before. I recognized him. I heard some of the people he was with call him Mac, you know? I didn't know whether that was his name or whether they just called him Mac, like some people call everybody Mac. Frank McLeese. McLeese, yeah. It mean a thing to me. What is this guy? Not just something he has to come in and shoot up a place of business. What's the matter with him? What makes a guy like that pick, Captain? I don't know, Jerry. When we get him, we'll wind him up and find out. You are listening to 21st Precinct, a factual account of the way police work in the world's largest city. Those schoolrooms your children have just gone back to, are they overcrowded, understaffed, and poorly equipped? The schoolhouse itself 
Is it you? Thus, the homicide investigation was underway. Detectives McInerney and Howard were sent to the East 80th Street address found on a card in the murder victim's wallet. The building there was an old law tenement. On a mailbox, they saw the name Frank McLeese. The super of the building admitted the detectives to the flat. There, they found little that would aid them in the investigation. The super knew nothing about his tenant other than the fact that he lived alone and that he was once an employee of some dry cleaning establishment. Other detectives of the 21st Squad and of the Homicide Squad were busy trying to trace the killer, about whom they knew one principal fact. His first name was Phil. At 3.25 a.m., sector car number two and the sergeant's car answered a call to 590 East 77th Street. A resident of the building had complained of a disturbance in the hall. The disturbance was over by the time the officers arrived, but after they talked to a Mrs. Cortella, about whom the complaint was made, Sergeant Waters put in a call for the detectives. Detectives Vitali and Novak arrived at 3.40 a.m. and walked up the steps to the second floor. What did he say? In the rear? Yeah, in the rear. I don't see it there. That door's standing open. Yeah. Sergeant Waters. Sergeant. Sergeant? Mr. Keller? Mm-hmm. This is Detective Novak and Detective Vitali. How do you do? Hello, Mr. Keller. How do you do? Look, I don't see what all this fuss is about with the tattoos. It was just an argument between me and my husband, and that's all. You said he had a gun, didn't he? Oh, no, I didn't see it. I didn't even see him. I didn't even open the door for him. He's the one that said he had a gun. Maybe he's just trying to scare me, that's all. Well, he scared you enough so you wouldn't open a door, didn't he? What would you do? Would you open the door for your husband if he was out there in the hall drunk and hollering and beating on the door and he says he has a gun and he's going to kill you? Well, would you open the door for him? Well, you bet your life you wouldn't. Neither did I. No, you two certainly didn't make enough noise. You woke up the whole building. Oh, let him be away. Nobody in this building ever did anything for me anyway. Listen, Mrs. Catella. You said he might come back, didn't you? Well, he lives here. Sure he's going to come back. Supposing he does have a gun. Now, what we ought to do is have these detectives find him before he does come back and see whether he's got a gun or not. Don't you think that'd be a good idea? Oh, I guess it would. You're telling me you had a picture of him. Why don't you go get it so we can show it to the detective? Oh. It'll give him an idea of what he looks like. Well, if you just wait here, he's bound to come back. Now, don't you worry he's got to go. He's got no place else to go. Why don't you get the picture? Oh, all right, if you want it. Yeah, we'd, uh, we'd like to see it. Well, see if I can find it. It's in here someplace in the bedroom. What's it all about, Sergeant? I, uh, I just wanted to get out of here a minute. Yeah? One of the neighbors said he did have a gun. The neighbor saw it. And you know what the husband's name is? What? Phil. Oh. Phil Catella. Oh, yeah. Yep. And he fits the description of that guy, all right. Did you ask her anything about that, too? No, I didn't mention it. I thought I'd wait until you fellas got here. Nice. Thanks a lot. Oh, listen, uh, did you see my car down the street? I told Eisman to put it around the corner in case the husband didn't walk him back here. That's around the corner. You didn't ask for anything about the shooting? No, I figured she might know where her husband went. She doesn't know about the shooting. Maybe she'll tell you. Well, I found it. Good. It's only one of them snapshots. I made it myself out in the park last summer. Maybe it was the summer before. I don't know. Well, look, there, you see? There's trees in the background. I made it in Central Park. 
About uh, how tall is your husband? Oh, he's about 5'9", or 10, I guess. Mm-hmm. Has he still got that mustache? Oh, he's still got it. <laughs> he was a prize the way he takes care of it. I wish he'd shave it off. What's his first name, Mrs. Capella? Phil. How old is he? He's 26. He was 26 last June. Do you know where he got that gun? Well, listen, I don't know for sure that he had a gun. He only said he did. I didn't open the door to find out. There wasn't any reason for him to lie, was there? He could lie without a reason. And before he came up here with a gun, what time did you see him last? Well, it was about 6.30 last night. He came home from work, and I gave him some dinner, and he went right out of the house. He was pretty mad about something. I don't know what it was. He just went right out of the house. That gun he was supposed to have, did, uh, did he keep a gun in the house? Well, I never saw it. If he had a gun, he must have got it someplace tonight while he was out. Where were you when he came home? It was 2.30 in the morning. I was in bed asleep. And he woke you up? Yeah, he woke me up. When he patted on that door, he woke up the whole building. But that's why the cops came. Didn't he have a key? No, a key wouldn't have done him no good. I bolted it from the inside. Well, any man that walks out after supper and doesn't come home anymore until 2.30 in the morning deserves to get bolted out. Why didn't you let him in? Well, I didn't want to get shot, that's why. You haven't any idea where he might have gone? No. Well, if you wait long enough, he'll be back here. Ms. Catella, do you happen to know a woman named Ann Voorhees? Ann Voorhees? That's right. No. no. I don't know anybody by that name. Do you happen to know a man named Frank McLeese? Oh. Sure, no fight, McLean. What's Frank got to do with this? How well do you know him? Oh, I know him pretty well. He's a good friend of mine. Well, I don't understand what he's got to do with this, though. Does Frank live at uh, 821 East 86th? Yeah, that's where he lives. Does your husband know Frank? Sure, he knows him. How well does he know him? Oh, pretty well. I mean, as well as you do? Oh, no, not as well as I do. You know Frank McLean's better than your husband does. Yes, I'd say I do. Uh, look, I don't want you to drag Frank into anything here. I've had enough trouble with Phil over Frank now. Enough trouble. I just don't want any more. Now, what kind of trouble did you have with your husband over Frank? Oh, well, Phil accuses me of going with him. He says I run around with him all the time when he's at work. But he just stands there and accuses me of it. Gets madder and madder and hollers all over the place. He says I run around with him. He calls me every name in the book. Well, you don't have to put up with that, do you? Well, to tell you the truth, there's not much I can do. You're playing fast. Oh, I see. Well, what's Frank got to do with it? You haven't told me that yet. Frank got himself shot tonight. Frank McLean? Yeah, that's fine. Well, how'd he get himself shot? Was he hurt bad? Well, how bad is he hurt? He's dead. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry, Mrs. Capello. Oh, my goodness. You fellas uh, don't need me here anymore, do you? No, uh, no, Sergeant. Thanks a lot. Oh, my goodness. I'd better get back on the job. Oh, my goodness. I'll see you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's awful. It's horrible. Sure is. Oh, he shot him. Oh, you don't tell me it was Phil. Phil had a gun, and Frank was shot. Oh. Had him up. What did they do? Did they have a fight? It wasn't much of a fight. Frank was sitting in his bar on First Avenue with this person I asked you about, this uh, Anna Boris. He was? 
What was he doing with her? Well, he just met her a couple of hours earlier. Oh? Phil walked into the bar, said hello to Mac, pulled out the gun and shot him. Just like that? Just like that. Oh, my goodness. Hey, he's liable to come back here and shoot me. Oh, you know, I just had a feeling when I didn't let him in. I just had a feeling that he was going to do something like this. He had trouble on his mind. If he told you he had a gun, he must have had trouble on his mind. The detectives reported the information they had obtained to Lieutenant King, and he instructed them to remain at the place on a plant in the event the husband, Phil Cotella, did show up. Two more detectives were sent over to the address to cover the outside of the building. In addition, a detailed and accurate description of the suspect was given to each patrolman as he made his hourly ring into the station house. At 4.40 a.m., Patrolman Mercado spotted a man loitering in a doorway on 75th Street near 2nd Avenue. He approached the man to question him. As he neared the doorway, the man fired two shots at the officer. Both missed. The man, who appeared to answer the description of Phil Cotella, ran into the rubble left by the wrecking of a half-square block of old buildings to make room for a new junior high school. Patrolman Coley and Eisman in sector car number four heard the shots and joined the chase. While Mercado and Eisman followed the suspect into the pile of bricks and stones, Coley called into the communications bureau by radio for assistance. The area was quickly surrounded. At five in the morning, Lieutenant King, Sergeant Waters, and I held a conference on the sidewalk alongside a park detective cruiser. All right. Well, there's two things we can do, Captain. We can either go in and get him, or we can wait for him to come out. Mm, we could wait a long time for him to come out, man. All right, stay behind cover there, Mercado. Want to get your head shut off? He's well protected in there. You can see us coming. We can't see him. That's the only thing I don't like, Captain. You want to try to talk him out, man? I don't know how much good talking he's going to do with this fellow. It'll take a lot more than talking if you ask me, Captain. Well, we can try it. If you stay here too long, we'll have the whole neighborhood up and on the street. That won't help us any. Oh, sure won't. We better go in after him. Okay. Who are those two men over there, Sandy? Callie and Mikado, Captain. Get them over here. Yes, sir. Callie, Mikado. Yes, sir. No, back. Say, Callie. Yes. Okay, listen. All right, Mikado. Take a walk around. Tell all the men we're going in after the guy. Tell them to stay out and get behind cover. All right, Mikado, get going. Yes, sir. I get this. I'm only going to say it once. Yes, Everything. We'll go in through that break in the fence. We're working three teams of two. Sergeant Waters, Neisman, yes, Italian Novak, Everything. Captain Kennelly, and myself. As soon as we get inside, I want to talk to him. I want to see if I can talk him out. Watch yourself some cover and get behind it. This boy killed one man tonight, and he took two shots at a police officer. It's not going to stop now. All right, now. You all set? Yes, sir. Okay, let's go. Okay, hold it. All right. Now, Captain and I are going to head straight for that pile of bricks. Okay, Captain. All right with me. Italian Novak, over that way behind that stack of doors. Sergeant, you see your cover. Those timbers down there. I can. All right, Captain, let's go. Okay. Ooh. 
drop. The tally. You're set. Sergeant, stay low. Where do you think he is, man? Try to find out, Captain. Bill, what do you say? You had a big night. Want to call it quits? What do you say, Phil? Let's move up a little bit, man. Okay. I'll go ahead. You cover me. Okay, man. Go ahead. Lieutenant King. Featured in tonight's cast were Hildy Parks, Eileen Palmer, 
Harold Stone, Larry Haynes, Jim Lipton, Bill Quinn, John Sylvester, and Bill Smith. Written and directed by Stanley Smith. Produced for CBS Radio by John Ives. George Bryan speaking.